10 of Mrs. Dalloway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. He was not afraid. At every moment nature signified by some laughing hint like that gold spot which went round the wall. There, there, there her determination to show by brandishing her plumes shaking her tresses flinging her mantle this way and that beautifully always beautifully and standing close up to breathe through her hollowed hands shakespeare's words her meaning rezia sitting at the table twisting her hat in her hands watched him saw him smiling he was happy then but she could not bear to see him smiling it was not marriage, it was not being one's husband to look strange like that, always be starting, laughing, sitting hour after hour silent or clutching her and telling her to write. The table drawer was full of those writings, about war, about Shakespeare, about great discoveries, how there is no death. Lately he had become excited suddenly for no reason and both dr holmes and sir william bradshaw said excitement was the worst things for him and waved his hands and cried out that he knew the truth he knew everything that man his friend who was killed evans had come he said he was singing behind the screen she wrote it down just as he spoke it some things were very beautiful others sheer nonsense and he was always stopping in the middle changing his mind wanting to add something hearing something new listening with his hand up but she heard nothing and once they found the girl who did the room reading one of these papers in fits of laughter it was a dreadful pity for that made septimus cry out about human cruelty how they tear each other to pieces the fallen he said they tear to pieces holmes is on us he would say and he would invent stories about holmes holmes eating porridge holmes reading shakespeare making himself roar with laughter or rage for dr holmes seemed to stand for something horrible to him human nature he called him then there were the visions he was drowned he used to say and lying on a cliff with the girl screaming over him he would look over the edge of the sofa down into the sea or he was hearing music really it was only a barrel organ or some man crying in the street but lovely he used to cry and the tears would run down his cheek which was to her the most dreadful thing of all to see a man like septimus who had fought who was brave crying and he would lie listening until suddenly he would cry that he was falling down down into the flames actually she would look for flames it was so vivid but there was nothing they were alone in the room it was a dream she would tell him and so quiet him at last but sometimes she was frightened too she sighed as she sat sewing her sigh was tender and enchanting like the wind outside a wood in the evening now she put down her scissors now she turned to take something from the table a little stir a little crinkling a little tapping built up something on the table there where she sat sewing through his eyelashes he could see her blurred outline her little black body her face and hands 
her turning movements at the table as she took up a reel or looked she was apt to lose things for her silk she was making a hat for mrs filmer's married daughter whose name was he had forgotten her name what is the name of mrs filmer's married daughter he asked mrs peters said razia she was afraid it was too small she said holding it before her mrs peters was a big woman but she did not like her it was only because mrs filmer had been so good to them she gave me grapes this morning she said that razia wanted to do something to show that they were grateful she had come into the room the other evening and found mrs peters who thought they were out playing the gramophone was it true he asked she was playing the gramophone yes she had told him about it at the time she had found mrs peters playing the gramophone he began very cautiously to open his eyes to see whether a gramophone was really there but real things real things were too exciting he must be cautious he would not go mad first he looked at the fashion papers on the lower shelf then gradually at the gramophone with the green trumpet nothing could be more exact and so gathering courage he looked at the sideboard the plate of bananas the engraving of queen victoria and the prince consort at the mantelpiece with the jar of roses none of these things moved all was still all were real she is a woman with a spiteful tongue said rezia what does mr peters do septimus asked ah said rezia trying to remember she thought mrs filmer had said that he travelled for some company and now he is in hull she said just now she said with her italian accent she said that herself he shaded his eyes so that he might only see a little of her face at a time first the chin then the nose then the forehead in case it were deformed or had some terrible mark on it but no there she was perfectly natural sewing with the pursed lip that women have the set the melancholy expression when sewing but there was nothing terrible about it he assured himself looking a second time third time at her face her hands for what was frightening or disgusting in her as she sat there in broad daylight sewing mrs peters had a spiteful tongue mr peters was in horror why then rage and prophecy why fly scourged and outcast why be made to tremble and sob by the clouds why seek truth and deliver messages when rezia sat sticking pins into the front of her dress and mr peters was in horror miracles revelations agonies loneliness falling through the sea down down into the flames all were burnt out for he had a sense as he watched rezia trimming the straw hat for mrs peters of a coverlet of flowers it's too small for mrs peters said septimus for the first time for days he was speaking as he used to do of course it was absurdly small she said but mrs peters had chosen it he took it out of her hands he said it was an organ grinder's monkey's hat how it rejoiced her that not for weeks had they laughed like this together 
poking fun privately like married people. What she meant was that if Mrs. Filmer had come in, or Mrs. Peters, or anybody, that would not have understood what she and Septimus were laughing at. There, she said, pinning a rose to one side of the hat. Never had she felt so happy, never in her life. But that was still more ridiculous, Septimus said. Now the poor woman looked like a pig at a fair. Nobody ever made her laugh, first Septimus did. What had she got in her workbox? She had ribbons and beads, tassels, artificial flowers. She tumbled them out on the table. He began putting odd colours together, for though he had no fingers, could not even do up a parcel, he had a wonderful eye, and often he was right. Sometimes absurd, of course, but sometimes wonderfully right. She shall have a beautiful hat, he murmured, taking up this and that, Rosie kneeling by his side, looking over his shoulder. Now it was finished, that is to say, the design. She must stitch it together, but she must be very, very careful, he said, to keep it just as he had made it. So she sewed. When she sewed, he thought, she made a sound like a kettle on the hob bubbling, murmuring, always busy, her strong little pointed fingers pinching and poking her needle flashing straight. The sun might go in and out on the tassels, on the wallpaper, but he would wait, he thought, stretching out his feet, looking at his ringed sock at the end of the sofa. He would wait in the warm place, this pocket of air, which one comes on at the edge of the wood sometimes in the evening, when, because of a fall in the ground or some arrangement of the trees, one must be scientific above all scientific. Warmth lingers, and the air buffets the cheek like the wing of a bird. There it is, said Razia, twirling Mrs. Peter's hat on the tip of her fingers. They'll do for the moment later. Her sentence bubbled away, drip, 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 like a contented tap left running. It was wonderful. Never had he done anything which made him feel so proud. It was so real. It was so substantial. Mrs. Peter's hat. Just look at it, he said. Yes, it would always make her happy to see that hat. He had become himself then. He had laughed then. They had been alone together. Always she would like that. Told her to try it on. But I must look so queer, she cried, running over to the glass and looking first this side, then that, then snatched it off again, for there was a tap at the door. Could it be Sir William Bradshaw? Had he sent already? No, it was only the small girl with the evening paper. What always happened, then happened, what happened every night of their lives. The small girl sucked her thumb at the door, Rezia went down on her knees, Rezia cooed and kissed, Rezia got a bag of sweets out of the table drawer, for so it always happened. First one thing, then another, so she built it up, first one thing, and then another, dancing, skipping, round and round the room they went. He, he took the paper, Surrey was all out, he read, there was a heat wave, Rezia repeated, Surrey was all out. There was a heat wave, making it 
part of the game she was playing with mrs filmer's grandchild both of them laughing chattering at the same time at the game he was very tired he was very happy he would sleep he shut his eyes but directly he saw nothing the sounds of the game became fainter and stranger and sounded like the cries of people seeking and not finding and passing further and further away they had lost him he started up in terror what did he see the plate of bananas on the sideboard nobody was there rosie had taken the child to its mother it was bedtime that was it to be alone forever he was alone with the sideboard and the bananas he was alone exposed on this bleak eminence stretched out but not on a hilltop not on a crag on mrs filmer's sitting-room sofa as for the visions the faces the voices of the dead where were they there was a screen in front of him with black bulrushes and blue swallows where he had once seen mountains where he had once seen faces where he had seen beauty there was a scream evans he cried there was no answer a mouse had squeaked or a curtain rustled those were the voices of the dead the screen the coal scuttle the sideboard remained to him let him then face the screen the coal scuttle and the sideboard but resia burst into the room chattering some letter had come everybody's plans were changed mrs filmer would not be able to go to brighton after all there was no time to let mrs williams know and really resia thought it was very very annoying when she caught sight of the hat and thought perhaps she might just make a little her voice died out in the contented melody ah damn she cried it was a joke of theirs her swearing the needle had broken hat child brighton needle she built it up first one thing then another she built it up sewing she wanted him to say whether by moving the rose she had improved the hat she sat at the end of the sofa they were perfectly happy now she said suddenly putting the hat down for she could say anything to him now she could say whatever came into her head that was almost the first thing she had felt about him that night in the cafe when he had come in with his english friends he had come in rather shyly looking around him and his hat had fallen when he hung it up that she could remember she knew he was english though not one of the large englishmen her sister admired for he was always thin but he had a beautiful fresh colour and with his big nose his bright eyes his way of sitting a little hunched made her think she had often told him of a young hawk that first evening she saw him when they were playing dominoes and he had come in of a young hawk but with her he was always very gentle she had never seen him wild or drunk only suffering sometimes through this terrible war but even so when she came in he would put it all away anything anything in the whole world any little bother with her work anything that struck her to say she would tell him and he understood at once her own family even were not the same being older than she was and being so clever how serious he was wanting her to read shakespeare before she could even read a child's story in english 
being so much more experienced he could help her and she too could help him but this hat now and then it was getting late sir william bradshaw she held her hands to her head wanting for him to say did he like the hat or not and as she sat there waiting looking down he could feel her mind like a bird falling from branch to branch and always alighting quite rightly he could follow her mind as she sat there in one of those loose lax poses that came to her naturally and if he should say anything at once she smiled like a bird alighting with all its claws firm upon the bow but he remembered bradshaw said the people we are most fond of are not good for us when we are ill bradshaw said he must be taught to rest bradshaw said they must be separated must must why must what power had bradshaw over him what right has bradshaw to say must to me he demanded it is because you talked of killing yourself said rezia mercifully she could now say anything to septimus so he was in their power holmes and bradshaw were on him the brute with the red nostrils was snuffing into every secret place must it could say where were his papers the things he had written she brought him his papers the things he had written things she had written for him she tumbled them out on the sofa they looked at them together diagrams designs little men and women brandishing sticks for arms with wings were they on their backs circles traced round shillings and sixpences the suns and stars zigzagging precipices with mountaineers ascending rope together exactly like knives and forks sea pieces with little faces laughing out what might perhaps be waves the map of the world burn them he cried now for his writings how the dead sing behind a rhododendron bushes odes to time conversations with shakespeare evans 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 his messages from the dead do not cut down trees tell the prime minister universal love the meaning of the world burn them he cried but rezia laid her hands on them some were very beautiful she thought she would tie them up for she had no envelope with a piece of silk even if they took him she said she would go with him they could not separate them against their will she said shuffling the edges straight she did up the papers and tied the parcel almost without looking sitting beside him he thought as if all her petals were about her she was a flowering tree and through her branches looked out the face of a lawgiver who had reached a sanctuary where she feared no one not holmes not bradshaw a miracle a triumph the last and greatest staggering he saw her mount the appalling staircase laden with holmes and bradshaw men who never weighed less than eleven stone six who sent their wives to court men who made ten thousand a year and talked of proportion who different in their verdicts for holmes said one thing bradshaw said another yet judges they were who mixed the vision and the sideboard saw nothing clear yet ruled yet inflicted must they said over them she triumphed there she said 
the papers were tied up no one should get at them she would put them away and she said nothing should separate them she sat down beside him and called him by the name of that hawk or crow which being malicious and a great destroyer of crops was precisely like him no one could separate them she said then she got up to go into the bedroom to pack the things but hearing voices downstairs and thinking that dr holmes had perhaps called ran down to prevent him coming up septimus could hear her talking to holmes on the staircase my dear lady i have come as a friend holmes was saying no i will not allow you to see my husband she said he could see her like a little hen with her wings spread barring his passage but holmes persevered my dear lady allow me homer said putting her aside holmes was a powerfully built man holmes was coming upstairs holmes would burst open the door holmes would say in a funk eh holmes would get him but no not holmes not bradshaw getting up rather unsteadily hopping indeed from foot to foot he considered mrs filmer's nice clean bread knife with bread carved on the handle ah but one mustn't spoil that the gas fire but it was too late now holmes was coming razors he might have got but rezia who always did the sort of thing had packed them there remained only the window the large bloomsbury lodging house the tiresome the troublesome and rather melodramatic business of opening the window and throwing himself out it was their idea of tragedy not his or rezia's for she was with him holmes and bradshaw like that sort of thing he sat on the sill but he would wait till the very last moment he did not want to die life was good the sun was hot only human beings what did they want coming down the staircase opposite an old man stopped and stared at him holmes was at the door i'll give it to you he cried and flung himself vigorously violently down onto mrs filmer's area's railings the coward cried dr holmes bursting the door open rezia ran to the window she saw she understood dr holmes and mrs filmer collided with each other mrs filmer flapped her apron and made her hide her eyes in the bedroom there was a great deal of running up and down stairs dr holmes came in white as a sheet shaking all over with a glass in his hand she must be brave and drink something he said what was it something sweet for her husband was horribly mangled would not recover consciousness she must not see him must be spared as much as possible would have the inquest to go through poor young woman who could have foretold it a sudden impulse no one was in the least to blame he told mrs Filmer, and why the devil he did it dr holmes could not conceive it seemed to her as she drank the sweet stuff that was opening long windows stepping out in some garden but where the clock was striking one two three how sensible the sound was compared with all this thumping and whispering like septimus himself she was falling asleep but the clock went on striking four five six and mrs filmer waving her apron they wouldn't bring the body in here would they seemed part of that garden or a flag she had once seen a flag slowly rippling out of a mask when she stayed with her aunt at venice men killed in battle were thus saluted and septimus had been through the war of her memories most were happy
she put on her hat and ran through cornfields where could it have been on to some hills somewhere near the sea for there were ships gulls butterflies they sat on a cliff in london too there they sat and half dreaming came to her through the bedroom door rain falling whisperings stirrings among dry corn the caress of the sea as it seemed to her hollowing them in its arched shell and murmuring to her laid on shore strewn she felt like flying flowers over some tomb he is dead she said smiling at the poor woman who guarded her with her honest light blue eyes fixed on the door they wouldn't bring him in here would they but mrs filmer pooh-poohed oh no oh no they were carrying him away now ought she not to be told married people ought to be together mrs filmer thought but they must do as the doctor said let her sleep said dr holmes feeling her pulse she saw the large outline of his body standing dark against the window so that was dr holmes one of the triumphs of civilization peter walsh thought it is one of the triumphs of civilization as the light high bell of the ambulance sounded swiftly cleanly the ambulance sped to the hospital having picked up instantly humanely some poor devil some one hit on the head struck down by disease knocked over perhaps a minute ago at one of these crossings as might happen to oneself that was civilization it struck him coming back to the east the efficiency the organization the communal spirit of london every cart or carriage of its own accord drew aside to let the ambulance pass perhaps it was morbid or was it not touching rather the respect which they showed this ambulance with its victim inside busy men hurrying home yet instantly bethinking them as it passed off some wife or presumably how easily it might have been them there stretched on a shelf with a doctor and a nurse ah but thinking became morbid sentimental directly one began conjuring up doctors dead bodies a little glow of pleasure a sort of lust too over the visual impression warned one not to go on with that sort of thing any more fatal to art fatal to friendship true and yet thought peter walsh as the ambulance turned the corner through the light high bell he could be heard down the next street and still farther as it crossed the tottenham court road chiming constantly it is the privilege of loneliness in privacy one may do as one chooses one might weep if no one saw it had been his undoing this susceptibility in anglo-indian society not weeping at the right time or laughing either i have that in me he thought standing by the pillar-box which can now dissolve in tears why heaven knows beauty of some sort probably and the weight of the day which beginning with the visit to clarissa had exhausted him with its heat its intensity and the drip drip of one impression after another into the cellar where they stood deep dark and no one would ever know partly for that reason its secrecy complete and invaluable he had found life like an unknown garden full of turns and corners surprisingly yes really it took one's breath away these moments there coming to him by the pillar-box opposite the british museum one of them a moment in which things came together this ambulance and life and death it was as if he were sucked up to some very high roof by the rush of emotion and the rest of him, like a white shell, sprinkled beach, left bare.
it had been his undoing in anglo-indian society this susceptibility clarissa once going on top of an omnibus with him somewhere clarissa superficially at least so easily moved now in despair now in the best of spirits all a-quiver in those days and such good company spotting queer little scenes names people from the top of a bus for they used to explore london and bring back bags full of treasures from the caledonian market clarissa had a theory in those days they had heaps of theories always theories as young people have it was to explain the feeling they had of dissatisfaction not knowing people not being known for how could they know each other you met every day then not for six months or years it was unsatisfactory they agreed how little one knew people she said sitting on the bus going up the shaftbury avenue she felt herself everywhere not here 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 and she tapped the back of the seat but everywhere she waved her hand going up shaftbury avenue she was all that so that to know her or any one one must seek out the people who completed them even the places odd affinities she had with the people she had never spoken to some women in the street some man behind a counter even trees or barns it ended in a transcendental theory which with her horror of death allowed her to believe or say that she believed for all her scepticism that since our apparitions the part of us which appears are so momentarily compared with each other the unseen part of us which spreads wide the unseen might survive but recovered somehow attached to this person or that or even haunting certain places after death perhaps perhaps looking back over the long friendship of almost thirty years her theory worked to this extent brief broken often painful as the actual meetings had been what his absences and interruptions this morning for instance in came elizabeth like a long-legged colt handsome dumb just as he was beginning to talk to clarissa the effect of them on his life was immeasurable there was a mystery about it you were given a sharp acute uncomfortable grain the actual meeting horribly painful as often not yet in absence in the most unlikely places it would flower out open and shed its scent let you touch taste look about you get the whole feel of it and understanding after years of lying lost thus she had to come to him on board ship in the himalayas suggested by the oddest thing so sally satin generous enthusiastic goose thought of him when she saw blue hydrogens she had influenced him more than any other person he had ever known and always in this way coming before him without his wishing it cool ladylike critical or ravishing romantic recalling some field or english harvest he saw her most often in a country not in london one scene after another in boughton chapter ten